Y dos. Y dos. Una. Y dos. Y dos. Hello, hello, and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream Podcast. This is a bi-weekly show broadcasting out of New York. It is hosted by myself, Cortez NYC, and... Carla de Puerto Rico. And this is a podcast where we share our views about art, creativity, and city life from a Latino perspective. On our first episode, titled Family, we're going to be talking about growing up in a family of artists. Also, we're going to be sharing some stereotypes and cliches of Latino families. Y vamos a hablar español. So let's get started. All right, well, we picked this topic because um, both of us, obviously, are artists or creatives. And... I thought it would be a good subject to start with because uh, my family life, you know, I grew up in a family of artists. To me, art always seemed very normal. It seemed like something that you just do. It didn't seem like something that you would make a career out of or that you would try to learn to do. It just kind of happened. You just acquired the skills or the talents. You just used your talents and whatever happened, happened. And in, in your family, you would have people that were good at drawing and you were good at drawing and it was just a matter of what they were good at drawing at you didn't really compete you just mm -hmm. kind of you know <clears throat> acknowledged that everybody had their different style of art and it, you know you just flowed with it um i know carla you you sing yeah and i know that in your family you must have had some creatives i'm sure yeah i think my father was into music kind of some type of music and from my father's side also like my uncle my brother now he's starting his career in, as a reggaeton singer oh there you go so even though we were not that close i guess that transferred my mom was always also into some doing some her little crafts and stuff like that which i think maybe it had something to do with with me singing and my interest into singing and music. Yep. Well, in my family, um, so I'm a visual artist. Um, for some people that might not know me, um, I'm a graffiti artist and I'm a graphic designer, an illustrator, and I also play music. I play guitar. I produce music, and I enjoy, you know, audio art as well. Mm -hmm. But. Um, In my family, I grew up knowing always that my grandmother and my uncles in Colombia, they designed jewelry. So they had a jewelry, sh a jewelry shop. Or yeah. so in, in Spanish, we say taller. I mm -hmm. don't know how you would say that in English, but it's a shop, I guess. But they would make custom jewelry. They would work with silver and gold and emeralds. And I remember my uncles, they would sculpt out of wax. They would make the little figurines. They would make little shapes. Uh, It, you know, it's very popular in Latin culture to have like religious symbols. So they would make like little Jesus faces and they carve it out very carefully. And mm -hmm. then they would make the mold and that mold would be cast. They would make uh, the gold out of it, yeah. gold rings or gold pendants. Mm -hmm. And then they would uh, they would add the jewels and all the other stuff to it and whatever else. Um, so I remember growing up thinking, oh, wow, like my family in Colombia, they're they're artists. They they know how to sculpt. And I would see their drawings also. And I was like, wow, they draw and everything. But I never thought much of it. Like I said, I just thought that's just what they do. That's it's natural. Then in my in my immediate family, my father, you know, I grew up knowing that my father was an architect. That was his career. Um, but he also played guitar and he sang. And I remember just listening to my father play guitar and sing is where I first started understanding 
what real like having your own voices what like really creating art is uh, touching somebody's soul let's say with with your voice and your your, your skills or your talent um, I think I learned that from my father uh, my mother she she kind of was a late bloomer she always had talent in the kitchen and she showed her she expressed herself in different ways and she was a great storyteller she'll sit there and she'll talk yeah. she'll talk to <laughs> you and tell you all novela um, but but it later it later on in life when I started becoming an, a career artist I started seeing her develop her own crafts and she she became very good at uh, sewing and and um, painting she does like these little decorative uh, pillows and uh, and she's also like very into um, interior decor yes right she, yeah. she's always like has a touch of style and, oh, yeah. and you can go to her house and everything is beautiful like everything is well placed and if you tell her hey can you help me with an event yeah she she can <laughs> give you ideas for sure yeah and she um she'll make a lot out of nothing Right. She can take right. very little and make a lot. Yeah, which is, it's very impressive. Yeah. Um, I remember from her always learning, she used to tell me, um, you know, I used to complain and say, you know, on a weekend or something, why can't I just wear jeans and a t-shirt or why can't, you know, <laughs> and, and she would be the person to say like, well, you know, just because we're broke doesn't mean we have to look broke. Um, you know, and, and I think that mentality is you know, you might see it one way, but I always saw it like she just had a vision. You know, Definitely. she she had a view for what she thought you should look like and what what she wanted to see. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And and that some people might call that a stylist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You might get paid as a stylist. Uh, yeah. You know, doing those kind of things for celebrities, but um, but I mean, I guess those are the artistic and creative touches that she showed. Um, my brother uh, is another subject. He's also another late bloomer. Um, my brother, in his later years, you know, in his 30s, he really started getting into guitar playing. Uh, and in his 40s, he really became expert. Like, he can pick up a song, pick up the chords very easily. He dabbles in singing. He, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think he gives himself the credit to really learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or maybe yeah. he doesn't have the patience. I don't mm -hmm. know. But he's, he's very into sound, which is very impressive. Because he can just listen to a song and then automatically he can just play it, play the chords and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he uh, now, you know, my brother's a couple of years older than me. And uh, now he has he's got a group of friends that he plays with. A, a, it's a group called El Cinto Cintron. Mm -hmm. And they are flamenco artists. So they have gigs around the city and my brother will join them when, when possible and play along with them. Mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, they perform this kind of like gypsy flamenco music. Um, and then now with, with you, Carla, like my brother's been yeah. practicing and playing and, you know, using your voice as well to blend the two together. Yeah, which I didn't thought, <laughs> I didn't thought that no, like I didn't thought that knowing all songs, all Latino songs, like boleros and stuff like that was such a, a big deal um, because I always saw it as part of my culture right in Puerto Rico we always sing boleros every single group you are is part of the culture and it's very cultural and they always want you to sing this song so I never saw it like it's something important or it's something special and now coming here when I sing those songs everybody's like how do you know them they're so <laughs> old and I'm like well I, I grew up with them 
Yeah. And I guess that's that's another part of growing up in a in a creative family that maybe you think is not part of creativity, but it helps you grow your knowledge into different things that you you didn't thought it was part of of what you're going to become or what you like or in the future, you know. Well, I mean, so let's just diving a little bit into how did you learn these songs? Right. Um, um, I mean, I, it sounds like it's something. You, kind of you kind of took for granted you didn't really think of the bigger picture that's somebody who's not you yeah and not in your immediate community would look at it as artistry mm. but how did you how did you learn those songs like how did you first develop your interest in singing well i was in school and i was part of the like the chorus of the school And we basically will sing in different events and also like in, in, it was a Catholic school. So every time they had a religious ceremony, we will sing and stuff like that. And over there, the songs were always about God, but also some cultural songs, which means either boleros or songs that talk about Puerto Rico. So I'm from Puerto Rico. That's why I'm called, my name is Carla de Puerto Rico. Um, <laughs> so I think that was the first way then when i when i was in school also i was part of a group of trovadores what's a trovador because i learned that from you i never really heard that yeah. before so trovadores are um singers from puerto rico but they're mostly um from the mountains so from the countryside of the island and basically what they will do is they will tell stories or The majority of them improvise. Unfortunately, I didn't got to learn how to improvise. I have a good friend, Deborah, which is great. And she does this like instantly. Just give her 10 minutes and she can give you a whole strofa with 10 sentences and everything makes sense. But the trovadores, usually what they do, um, so they'll tell a story with the whole song. And trova in Puerto Rico, right, is is music from the countryside is music that uh, it was used back in the day to share ideas share stories because they didn't know how to write or how to read but they knew how to mix all these words together and make sense of it i don't know how but they did it and then that's how it translated to us in the city and then after a while it became part of our culture it's part of of the of the history of Puerto Rico and, and the music of Puerto Rico. Um, so right when I became a trovadora in school, they they didn't only teach us or taught us um, about the music with the cuatro and all that, but they also taught us about the boleros and about the old songs. So mm. I think that in, in that um, group, is where I learn a little bit more about how you sing those songs, what songs are they. We also record, we, we had an album and everything. We had a, a little CD, which I still have. <laughs> I, have I was like 10 yeah. or something, and <laughs> the picture is horrible. But, <laughs> but um, that's how I think I started. And another thing is that my, my grandmother, she used to listen to music and... Um, Sundays, so Sundays it was a show that it was called Canciones Inolvidables. What? Yeah, oh, unforgettable songs. songs. Yeah. So 
over there they all played like all the old 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 songs like boleros merengues everything was super super old and she will always play it so and then i was at home on sundays with her so i think that that also like like i don't know like my ear was listening to all these things and from one place from one time to another so i i learned all these songs and all this um so i think that's that's how i, th I think yeah. those um it's funny so so you're learning those songs growing up and little do you know but those songs are the songs that are like the standards if you go to a, a spanish lounge mm -hmm. or you know a latin lounge or uh if you if you're having you know some acoustic sessions with guitarists those are the songs that they want to hear or yeah. that become that are so familiar that they're like um they're like comfort songs yeah. you know they're songs that that remind them of growing up listening to Spanish music or hearing somebody sing live and, and they get like I, I think also these are songs that a singer can can cover mm. and express themselves with because the lyrics are very universal love songs or, or mm -hmm. romantic songs and they have lyrics that you can interpret different ways depending on the singer they can kind of play with the lyric or flow a little bit and yeah. so so that i think they're good cover songs so that that's another thing that when you started when you came to new york and you started singing a bit and you realized how i realized like wow it's it's really all the stuff you know mm -hmm. already mm -hmm. i think that makes a good uh transition into trying to uh, do some covers i guess and, right. and express yourself and continue to practice your singing yeah. you know And in your case, going from, right, your your father was an architecture? My father was an architect, yeah. An architect. So going from that to evolve to graffiti and to evolve into drawing, how did you got that, like, inspiration from him and then continue to do your your style? Well, um, so... Growing up, my father was an architect. He worked for the Port Authority. He worked in the World Trade Center, um, and you know his whole career. And um, I would see, I would go visit him in his office. I would see his blueprints and his sketches. Um, I would see the they used to call them maquettes, I think. Mm -hmm. They were like little mock-ups of 3D, you know, constructed mock-ups of buildings they were going to yeah. build. They don't do that anymore. Now everything's computer. Yeah. But back then, I would I would go and see him building these things. Uh, That kind of inspired me to build things out of cardboard, and if I had my little action figures, I'd want to build sets for them. That's another thing I was thinking that when we're children, we get a lot from our imagination, and we don't even know that it's building up our creativity. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, seeing my father, you know, always drawing and, and doing that visual art. Mm -hmm. When I grew up, I knew I wanted to do something because I would I would draw and I would sketch my parents or my toys and things like that mm -hmm. um, and then I think once I got into high school I was thinking I was going to be a cartoonist a professional cartoonist and blah 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 um, but then I in high school I got into graffiti and street art because um, I'm from New York and it just it was all around me and it was what caught my attention when I was riding the train back and forth to school Um, and when I, you know, when I got to high school, I, I, I wanted to, I never had a big space to paint or draw, so I wanted to have a big area to draw, but I wanted to express myself on a large scale, and that's where I discovered graffiti as an option. I can go out and find a wall and paint large. Mm -hmm. um, I, my father did not understand it when <laughs> I first wanted to do this. Uh, he didn't understand what I was doing. He didn't get why I was doing that. 
you know, him coming from Colombia, he didn't really understand anything about the subway art culture, except for the fact that it was illegal in the 70s. Um, So I think that he always thought I was going to be a graphic designer and that I would study graphic design. Instead, high school and then college, I, I got into fine art. I got into painting and drawing things for myself. I got into graffiti. I got into abstractions and... I explored my cartooning a bit more and then I got more into illustration and I had no interest in graphic design because back then in the 80s and 90s graphic design was just lettering and magazines and yeah, laying uh-huh. layouts and stuff like that so I never wanted to even get into that and my father was always telling me well if you want to make <laughs> money you know and you want to have a career in in art you're gonna have to do that mm-hmm. um but he supported me regardless and and i pursued my own art and i th- i think once i got to college is when i started having you know my own art exhibits and i, I started mingling with old friends of mine in the city and we and we started networking and i started to get small gigs doing logo work and illustration work and it just little by little started evolving and and this thing that I always thought of as a natural hobby or a natural, not even a hobby. It was just a natural thing that that I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I never even thought of it as a hobby because I, right. I, I, I wouldn't even imagine. For me, a hobby is collecting stamps or something mm-hmm. or collecting coins. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that. Like, this is something that you make because you're alive and you just start making things. Mm-hmm. So I think once, once I got through college I, I, and I started making money doing art is when I realized it dawned on me that it's a career and little by little I got into computers and I found my my niche you know as an art director and and working in the fashion industry and it's little by little I became the person my father always said I should have become you know <laughs> I became that graphic Your designer. Your father's always right. Father's always right and um, <laughs> I became that graphic designer but I to this day I still uh, I still get inspiration from my father and from my whole family uh, my extended mm-hmm. family as well my, my cousin uh, I have a cousin in in, in Florida, uh, cousin Terry T Rex. He's graffiti artist as well, and and he designs sneakers. Yeah. Um, and he's an he's an amazing designer. He's mm-hmm. a, he's got an amazing work ethic. Um, he's he's definitely a very motivated designer. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in his designs, his sneaker designs, um, and he's made a career out of it. I mean, he's which he's, is great. Yeah, he's doing mm-hmm. very well. So. He's somebody else that growing up, me and him, we would draw, we would sketch, we would do stuff. And we never, I don't think we ever said to ourselves, yeah, when we grow up, we're going to be artists. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It just happens. It just happens. You don't even know where you're going to end up, but you just grew up and and fill yourself with all these people that are doing all this stuff. And you're like, okay, so I guess I'm going to do it with you. And then, I don't know. We'll see. it It was a funny thing growing up that I... I lived sometime in Florida with my cousin. He mm-hmm. was drawing, I was drawing, like just little kids drawing with pencils and crayons. Uh, then high school came. I ended up doing graffiti. I find out that he's also doing graffiti <laughs> at the same time. So he's also doing graffiti in Florida, and I'm doing graffiti in New York. And this was not coordinated. Right. And then later on in life, I find out I'm a graphic designer designing clothing, and he... Yeah, he's designing clothing too. And I was uh-huh. like, okay. <laughs> so I guess we're just following the same path and, and yeah. this is not a coincidence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think your family can help steer you. They can help inspire you. I Definitely. think friends as well. I have a lot of friends. I've, along That's, the way, I've made a lot of friends that I are artists. I was going there too. Yeah, go, go for it. Even, even um, 
I'm taking a class in school. I know this is not related, but it's work and life um, communication, basically. And we were talking about like who you consider your family and even friends are your family, right? So even growing up with friends and everything and you see them, um, let's say, doing music or dancing or doing all these things, you're like, oh, well, so maybe if I do this thing, you know, I can be more connected with this person or whatever. Um, but another thing I was going to say is like how Chris was saying, um, how Cortez was saying. Um, it's all right. They know me. <laughs> People know me. Um, no, so how things connect that you don't even know when you're doing it as a little kid, how it's going to help you once you grow up. So right when I was around 10 or 11, I think I was doing the trovadora. I was being a trovadora at my school. I didn't know that when I graduated from high school, going, going to the University of Puerto Rico, I, I, I was going to have the opportunity to be part of a cultural music group in the university that I was going to pay for my tuition and that I was going to have so many amazing friends um, which helped me to develop more my, my creativity in music and singing because that was another thing like in my house it was cool but I, I didn't feel really comfortable doing it like singing loudly or practicing a lot no I, I always felt more comfortable doing it like in my uh, singing classes or with my friends at the university or with my friends at school so that's why I also think that it's not only your family immediate family the family that you live with but the people that you through with the years right you develop such a relationship that you think that they're your family and they're part of your family and they can help you also develop your artistic um, creativity and everything. Um, so that happened, right? I, because of the experience I had growing up, I knew this guy from school, right? And when I got to university, he told me, hey, you should be part of the Conjunto Criollo, which was the music group in the university. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure about it because I didn't, I wasn't singing that style for a while. So when I got there, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. But then they, they taught me and they and they were very open to me. And then I developed myself even, even more because we had shows, we have live shows, and we all as a group like helped each other grow. So yeah. I, I mean, I, something else that I think this makes me think of this conversation is um, when we were doing the live stream. So this 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 podcast is called Cortez NYC Livestream. Uh, this this is the next evolution of this show, which used to it started as a live stream on livestream.com, mm -hmm. where we would do a four hour session at night. Yeah. Uh, just I would be drawing. We would be with a chat room talking, yeah. having conversations, and playing music and all these kind of things. And that also was inspiring and also an extension of, I guess, growing up in a family of artists where <laughs> we would have my mother t tuning into the show, uh, yeah, that's uh, true. my cousin coming on to the show, or tuning yeah. into the show, whatever, you know, we would have uh, new friends that yeah. we would develop come on to the show or join into the chat room. Uh, we would have people on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, you know, sharing their stories. And, and I think 
that was another evolution that thank god for the internets but mm -hmm. that that gave us that opportunity to also find new ex new inspirations and um and new connections definitely um a lot of the people that were participating in the live stream you know some of the some of the people they were like trying to be artists as well you know exploring their creativity some of them were doing a part-time some of them were actually full-time artists but but you could tell that some of them would come in staying up late with us yeah just to like find that motivation to keep drawing and to keep exploring their art uh, i think there was one time one of the one of the listeners commented that they they grew up listening or watching my videos on youtube or whatever and my, my youtube channel youtube.com slash cortez nyc you know i have videos where i'm drawing step by step i did these videos maybe now 10 years ago more mm -hmm. more than 10 years ago i guess and um i didn't realize that there would be p younger people that would grow up maybe using these videos as their inspiration and their connection to creativity um and i you know i think that was also interesting this this fa this internet family that exactly. we developed right yeah like, that was pretty cool yeah um so i mean aside from that i guess the last point that i would bring up here is what do you do if you're growing up in a family that isn't creative? What, right. what would you do? And maybe you are developing your creativity with the time, right? Like, I don't know, you get into a group in school. I think it's kind of like what happened to me because even though it's, it's, it's difficult because um, my family growing up, they were really into music, really into dancing, really into everything. But I didn't i guess i didn't saw it or until now as part of my development as a creative or or my development as a singer right so i guess that going back to growing up in a family that is not creative in in uh, in quotes. Uh, in quotes. <laughs> in air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> in air quotes. Um, I guess that maybe, maybe think about this, those times. Maybe think about the times that you were just being, like, having a family time. And maybe think about the times when, I don't know, your mom was doing something with her hands or your dad was doing something that is not related to work and maybe I, I mean, even like i said even storytelling yeah yeah even, even storytelling, storytelling. Or, or comedy i mean uh, some some people's parents like some people's fathers are hilarious exactly they tell great jokes they're exactly. great storytellers they any reunion and they come together like i i had my uh my stepfather uh rest in peace uh he when we talk about him you know he had a temper and everything but Everybody only remembers his cr his create his creative storytelling. He mm -hmm. was such a great personality. You know, you would you would go to his house and he would hold court and he would tell these stories and make you laugh and and he would listen carefully to what you said and try to figure out how to make a story out of that. <laughs> you know, if you said something, he would listen and he would try to invent how he can he make that funny. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's a talent as well. I think I think um yeah you know some. You, if you if you're growing up in a family i mean especially if you're a, in a cultural family definitely there is creativity all around you you just have to look yeah. you know maybe you might be taking it something that they're doing for granted and you might not be seeing it as creativity but it, it's all around you especially in a cultural family whether it's latino or uh, indian or uh, you know i don't know asian, asian you know other other family even american if you're in an american yeah. family that's that's very cultural and rooted in in some sort of you know uh 
cultural background, you know, uh, it's, it's all around you. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was exactly my point that maybe, maybe you will think that, oh my God, I'm the only one creating stuff because I'm doing such different things. But maybe if you look closely, you can see that everything that you have in your mind came from everybody around you. And all the experiences that you had growing up helped you to, to be the person that you are now. If you liked our conversation and you want to add to it, uh, we are really looking forward to your comments. So follow us on Instagram, Cortez NYC Livestream. You can hashtag for that section, hashtag art life. Um, and you can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook is Cortez NYC Livestream. So now we go into our next section, which is Culture Talk. And Carla, for Culture Talk, this is more your section. You're, you, you really, this is your baby. So what are we <laughs> talking about in this section? So we're talking about stereotypes or cliches about Latino families. For example, that all Latino families, oh my God, they're so loud. They are. Every time they go to <laughs> any place, they're always screaming to each other. They Be are. Well, no. Well, <laughs> people think that they're that they're fighting with each other because they're so passionate about every single thing that they're talking about. In, And in, in our neighborhood, the loud ones are the Asians. They're the loud ones. Exactly. <laughs> Even in, I, I, right in our neighborhood is is full of Asian and it's, it's mostly our neighborhood we li we're in Flushing Queens yeah. and our neighborhood is mostly Korean Chinese Japanese but I've learned that the Chinese are the ones that are loud and Koreans and Japanese they're actually a little bit more like reserved reserved yeah gotcha and I've, and I've in, learned that and in the Latin culture who's the loud ones and who's the reserved ones Mm, I will say <laughs> we all have our moments. <laughs> I will say that for sure, Puerto Ricans go to hard. Well, well, yeah, go to Harlem, go to the Bronx. Puerto Ricans are always loud. My mom sometimes she can be so loud when she's laughing. Oh my god! Sometimes I know that one time that she was with you on the train and that she was laughing so loud and that yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, she can But, be loud. Yeah, and I've I've. I've been, I've been, I've been around enough uh, Puerto Rican culture to see, especially New Yorkans. Yeah, they, they can be very I loud. Actually, I actually, I'm, I can be loud when I'm with like with my friends and my family and my circle, you know. But I have a friend that I didn't know she was that loud until then we met after a while here in New York, and I was like, wow, yeah. You are loud, <laughs> and you are Puerto Rican for sure. The yes, you are. The same thing happens to me. Um, for the most part, my father's pretty soft-spoken. Uh, my my family's Colombian. My father's pretty much self uh, soft-spoken. My mother can get loud sometimes, but for the most part, she's soft-spoken. Yeah. But when we'll go to events, or you know what I mean, Colombian events or things like that, mm -hmm. and then I see Colombians and I get to talk to other Colombians that might be from other parts of Colombia, and I realize, wow, they're very loud. <laughs> and I'm reminded that, yes, all Latino culture, we all have some aspect of our culture that is loud. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a cliche, but there's some truth to yeah, it. Yeah, it's some, there's some truth to it, but, but it's not like just because we're talking to you it means that we're gonna be loud like that no it's more like with our circle we're the people that we know um so another stereotype that 
sometimes we get is like they all eat rice and beans or that's all they eat for dinner they do. rice and beans we do we only eat rice and beans all day yeah and, and nothing else and that's not necessarily true i do like rice and beans a lot i was raised with it but here actually in new york i've become a little bit more creative in the kitchen making more vegetables salads and stuff like that so people can change not necessarily because you eat rice and beans when you were growing up when you maybe move to another place you you can change the way <laughs> the way you eat all right well i mean to the rice and beans thing i would say uh, i grew up enjoying rice and beans but not necessarily constantly eating it mm. every day at home um i think if you go to a colombian restaurant you will get rice and beans definitely yeah um any i think most most latin restaurant whether it's mexican colombian ecuadorian yeah they have Puerto rice Rican, and beans. dominican there's going to be some form of rice and beans so yeah. that's that's i guess where the stereotype really comes in hard yeah um but i think at home no, I, I don't. I don't really contribute to the rice and bean stereotype at home. I, no, I think, you don't. I think I've kind of realized the modern thinking and and kind of pulled back a little bit on the rice and beans. Yeah. Um, I do think that Colombians eat weird things. I I, <laughs> I like to eat weird things. I like uh, a lot of the pork grinds and the. Uh, the tongue. We, the tongue, the cow tongue. I love cow tongue. Um, so, uh, the mondongos, the soups. Oh, no, I um, can't with mondongo. I'm not, no. Morcilla. Oh, no. I love morcilla. Ew. I'm sure my Latinos out there know what morcilla is. And yes. I, love, I like morcilla a lot. No. I know that you're, you're Puerto Rican and you're I'm also Puerto half Rican. Dominican. Yeah. And you like the mofongo. Yeah, definitely I like the mofongo. I like the mango. I like the salami. Um, what, what's mofongo? So mofongo is green plantain. Uh, you fried it as if you were going to make tostones, <laughs> um, and then you just uh, like um, use like a little bowl and, and and mush it together with a little bit of butter, a little bit of garlic, and then you have your mofongo, which you can eat with pork, you can eat with chicken, with uh, seafood, whatever you want. All right. And so, what's another stereotype besides the food and the loudness? Well, another stereotype is that they all live together. They all have big families. They do. They, do. they all have big families and they all live together. And they all live together. All these damn Latinos. Yeah, that's true. Which <laughs> I think that is not true here in the United States because of how difficult, well, because of how difficult it is, it cannot be, it, it might be not true in the majority of families in the United States because let's say extended family might be back in your country like if you're from mexico maybe you're here with your mom dad and then maybe your siblings so, but so grandparents what, are back in in your country so what you're saying is the stereo from your perspective because so that's just so that the people understand you, you were born and raised in puerto rico right you came here already as, as a grown-up yeah so from your perspective you understood that in puerto rico the majority of what you saw was a lot of extended family living together. Yeah. You saw Yeah. Like let's possibly say grandparents and living with exactly with the daughter or or yeah, or son. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I I didn't grow up seeing that. I'm one of those examples having I was born here in New York. Um I my grandparents were back in Colombia and my family here in New York was very small being in new york we it was just my brother myself my mom my dad mm -hmm. and you know 
I, I had cousins in Florida, and they also had small uh, nuclear families. Um, they didn't have ex big extended families. Right. All my uncles were back in Colombia or some other area. Now I have uncles in Canada. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily fit that stereotype. And now I'm thinking right now about people that I saw growing up, Latinos growing up here in New York, and I don't think they had grandparents either mm -hmm. with them. I think the majority of them were just very small nuclear families. Yeah. Not a lot of cousins either. What I think that is true is that maybe we care a little bit more about our elders. Like, we, we want to take care of them. We don't want to send them just to a home, but we want them to feel as they're still part of the family. And I think that maybe that's still true. Even though I grew up in Puerto Rico and I lived with my grandparents and then my grandmother for a while. Um, so, well, well, all my life, really. So I think that that's where maybe it, it comes that stereotype from. Like, we, we really take care of them and we want them to be still part of our family. So another stereotype that I have is that maybe you think that all Latinos speak Spanish. I... I did think that until you brought up some good points, and then I did, yeah. and then I realized that that's a weird stereotype in my head. So, right, if we think about the term Latino, the term Latino is only used outside of Latin America. So, let's say you are from any country of Latin America. Right. Wait, uh, yeah. So let me just chime in. So, right. so the the term Latino is not used in native countries like let's say if you're in venezuela or if you're in ecuador you're not going to really say latino you're going to say i'm ecuadorian or i'm venezuelan right. and it'll be very strange to be an ecuadorian let's say and and be in ecuador living in ecuador and not speak spanish that would be weird mm -hmm. uh, unusual let's say mm -hmm. uh, or if you were in peru or if you were in bolivia right or if you were you know and and that you're there and you're not speaking spanish that would be kind of weird right. because that's your native tongue of your country but uh -huh. but let's so say latino yeah. that term is used here in the united states in north america outside of latin america in north america so here yes if you have if you're a latino family meaning that you're in you're outside of a latin country you're in a north american country or a non-spanish speaking country mm -hmm. then yeah probably that you could be a family that doesn't speak spanish yeah because let's say you're a second i didn't think about that one let's say you're a second generation latino let's say or colombian if we want to be specific right you're a second generation family of colombian and now you feel yourself as a latino because you connect with anybody that is from latin america and maybe you don't know spanish but you don't know how to speak but you understand spanish That doesn't mean that you are less Latino. That means if you still can connect with your roots, either from Colombia or from Latin America, or I think... Or from Puerto Rico. Or from Puerto Rico, of course. That can still make you... Uh, makes you like, that, that still makes you a, a Latino. If you feel it like that's how you want to be called or, or that's how you want to be... Per perceived well, i think that would be a different conversation that would probably be another topic for another, yeah, yeah. another episode but yeah I, i think there's multiple things that make you latino and not just that you speak spanish i'm sure there's other cultural elements right that make you latino so i yeah. guess we could explore that in another conversation definitely so another stereotype is that we don't all like spicy food 
just because in Mexican restaurants they eat tacos and they have jalapenos and they have spicy sauce that doesn't mean that we all like spicy food it's not in all our cultures I, I grew up with a little bit of spicy food but yeah no not I, I would agree with that it's it's a that's a big cliche yeah uh, Colombian food for the most part is not really spicy no Puerto Rican food it's not really spicy just a morcilla I think I've heard that there's a little bit spicy you wanted me to teach you right so if you like that section, you like that conversation, remember hashtag culture talk. Remember Instagram is Cortez NYC Livestream. And now, vamos a hablar español. Sí. Tenemos algunas palabritas para que aprendas español. So we have some words that if you are a Latino that knows Spanish, maybe you can remember and you can practice. And then if you are a non-Spanish speaker, Maybe you can learn these words and it can be more comfortable for you to communicate with other Spanish speakers. Yeah, we in this uh, this section, we're basically throwing out some translations, some common words that you should know. Um, not so much to teach you an in-depth, advanced Spanish. We pick no. some simple words. Yeah, and some words related to what we talked about before in the podcast. So we just wanted for you to know some keywords of what we have talked about so that we podcast. can get you speaking spanish yes okay so the first one is familia what yes familia means family and so does mohana ohana okay but yes no but familia uh, means family and i think that one is pretty easy because the translation is pretty straightforward, right? And, and pretty common. I think people are familiar with that one that in movies and whatever. Right. Familia! Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. The next one is artista. What? Yeah, so artista means artist. Very which simple. is also very simple. Yeah. And then going to the next one is padre. 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 Some people might... No, no, Padre. Well, that's the Americans. They say okay. Padres. Like Pero a, a padre. sports team called... The baseball team called Padres. Oh, come on. All right. So what is Padre? <laughs> so Padre means uh, father. Okay. Or dad. We also have the word Madre. Very similar to Padre. And it means mom. And Madre, I think of... Very common if you've traveled to Barcelona. The, is it, no, that's not... Where do they say Madre, Madre Sagrada? Madre Sagrada? Yeah. No, I'm confusing it with something else. Familia Sagrada. La Sagrada Familia. La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. Yeah, there you go. That's the that's church. That's the right. church over there. All right. So Madre. Madre means mother. Yeah. All right. And then we also have Hijo. 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 No. Hijo. Hijo. So what does Which hijo mean? Which means son. Hijo means son, like child. And then, if you just change the last letter of that word, you have hija, which means daughter. Oh, hijo is my son, yeah. and hija is my daughter. Yeah, that's so easy, I'm speaking right? Spanish. You are speaking Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and then, if we now we're going to go into like the more social 
um, words that we use let's say if you just met somebody or maybe if you're in in a bar drinking with somebody these are words that are gonna help you i need those you you do yeah um so obviously hola hola i think that one everybody knows come on everybody hola. has yeah hola. hola hello hola yeah um then we have oh, so hola means hello yeah <laughs> okay. then we have como te llamas this one is not just one word it's just it's more like a phrase because it has three words on it so it means what's your name okay como te llamas como te llamas very good okay Um, and then let's say that you are with somebody outside and it's in the morning and you want to eat breakfast. So you're going to say, let's eat desayuno. 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 Like breakfast. Juno. Like the, like the movie Juno. Like the movie Juno, yeah. Desayuno. Okay. <laughs> breakfast. Uh, and then let's say you want to eat lunch. is almuerzo. Almuerzo. Almuerzo is lunch. Almuerzo is lunch. So when it's lunchtime, it's tiempo del almuerzo. Tiempo del almuerzo. Sí, oh, nice. tiempo de almorzar. And then let's say you want to eat dinner. So you'll say, vamos a comer la cena. Dinner means cena or comida. Because in some places it might be comida. Just because that's the way they call it. Yeah, I was going to say, cena is one that I w wasn't so common for me. They would just say... Vamos a la comida. Vamos yeah. A hacer, vamos a comer. Mm -hmm. Okay, vamos a hacer de comida. And we, sí. meant, we meant dinner. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not correct. The correct way is cena. So dinner, cena. All right. And then one last one. Because, well, two last ones. Because we need them. Cerveza. What? As I'm drinking right now. Of course. Cerveza, if you're going to a bar, you know, you gotta offer the ladies a cerveza, which <laughs> is a beer. So cerveza means beer. And another one that I have in my mind is Buen Provecho, which there's not really a translation in English, but in Spanish it's so common for us when we're eating, before we start eating, to tell the other person Buen Provecho, which means like have a good meal, like Or enjoy like, your it's meal. It's almost like a bon appetit. Almost like a bon appetit. But I think in French, that, bon yeah. appetit. Like, it's so common in the, in Latino countries, in, in Latino communities, just say Buen Provecho. Mm. And you're going to impress them. See, that one, that one's a little tough or was a little tough for me to get into because I, I didn't really hear it growing up. Mm. And also the fact that I grew up in New York, it's not very common that people will say, you know, enjoy your meal. Exactly. No, like it's not. when we eat, we just go, all right, time to eat. Exactly, and you just start yeah. eating. Like you just make sure everybody has their food and you're like, all right, time to eat. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, That's uh, it, it's specific to Latin culture. Yeah, but it is a nice phrase. Or, like, I like it. I like, I miss it. Like, I don't say it anymore. But it's something that is nice from our, of our culture. It's, it's a nice phrase. I like that. Yep. All right, so there you have it. You have some Spanish words for you guys to practice. There's uh, no excuse. There's no excuse for not speaking some Spanish. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. Wrapped up episode one of Cortez NYC live stream, the podcast. Uh, this is a bi-weekly podcast streaming out of New York uh, with your host, myself, Cortez NYC, and also Carla de Puerto Rico. And uh, our next episode, episode two. 
is going to be titled Status. Uh, on the first section, Art Life, we'll be talking about what does success mean to you? When do you know that you've reached that status? Is it money? Is it fame? What is it? Yeah. And we're also going to be talking on our hashtag culture talk about how is the Latino experience presented in TV shows in the U.S. We're going to be talking about different things that we see that might be problematic or that might be true. And as always, we'll be hablando español at the end. Of course. Giving you more uh, Spanish to English words that you guys can practice. Yeah. I uh, just want to thank everybody who tuned in. Um, this is the rebirth of the Cortez NYC live stream. And we're very excited to bring this back to you guys. Um, so. Yeah, we hope you will enjoy it. And also, if you have any art, if you draw anything while listening, or maybe you have something that you have done before, just hashtag Curtis NYC Livestream, and we can check it out. Yep. And as this show evolves and as the episodes continue, uh, you know, we'll try to incorporate more of the, the listeners' artwork or some of their feedback into the show. So we look forward to that. Yeah. Thank you for listening.